0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson. Joined once again by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, as of the time of this podcast release, we are 23 days away from kickoff.
2: Woo! This is about the time that I'm really getting excited. Like I know y'all were excited a couple weeks ago when we were like around a month or whatever. But now we've got stuff like Hard Knocks coming out. These new things are being released on. Netflix with Johnny Manziel. Tim Tebow is yeah. coming out pretty soon. And, yeah, I just uh, – I'm there's, there's, it's getting a little bit cooler in the mornings now. And I think the, the triple-digit temperatures are waning. So we are looking at legitimate football season on the horizon, and I can't wait.
0: Ooh, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. And when I say Christmas, of course, I'm talking about kickoff. So, yeah, 23 days away, you know, goat numbers away. So can't wait. Can't wait.
1: So excited. I know this is a college football, Believe in OK State podcast. I do have to say, I just watch Hard Knocks. I don't normally watch it the night of because it's on too late for Grandma Meg. <laughs> and the writing on that show, shout out to the Hard Knocks writers, because I would pay good money to go to a master class with the Hard Knocks writers. It uh, is just yeah. phenomenal. Do. I
0: agree. Um, yeah. I just, I had to point that out <laughs> yeah since i started watching it i pretty much watch it every year just because like they do such a great job with the production with the writing and everything that goes on behind the scenes like that dallas cowboy season was so boring uh from oh, a on the field standpoint but everything else surrounding it like the cinematography and all was yeah. phenomenal so props for them i hope somebody can do like a heart like a pseudo hard knocks almost on like the weed and the black men. Or or like the Zach Robinson Des Bryant years. Not nah, I guess it wouldn't be Hard Knox as much as it would be more so like the Johnny Manziel thing that they're doing. It'd be like but,
1: a 30 for 30.
0: Yeah, like that stuff would be really cool. Like just putting the program on a map, you know? It'd be cool. But
2: to Meg's point though, like it's gonna take a lot to get me kind of fired up for Lions football, for Jets football. And for whatever reason, hard knocks is able to do it every year. Yeah, they do.
1: I think all of america became lions fans last year and then it was extra special for Oklahoma State fans because Rodrigo Ma- Malcolm Rodriguez exactly. was a star on that show star on the field as well but you know one of the top guys featured on right. that show and then this year bringing it back to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 Sauce Gardner is a lead character hey so we're claiming, yeah. uh, we're, claiming
0: yeah. we're claiming Sauce Gardner I'm just saying,
1: you know, since he's Big 12, so that's my connection back. So, he was not in the Big 12, but his Legendary
2: Big 12 DB, Sauce (laughs) Gardner. I like it. Yeah. I
1: mean, I like Sauce, but I, you know, as a Patriots fan, I cannot in good faith like the Jets. And Hard Knocks, Is is, are they bringing me around? It's one episode in. I will never like Aaron Rodgers. That's neither here nor there, but, like. Are there any
0: Oklahoma State players on the Jets? I don't think so. I think, yeah just less reason to root for them
1: exactly exactly
0: you know i root for the miami dolphins you got emmanuel Ogba down there so you got an oklahoma state guy i tend to just follow the ok state guys man
2: i don't know why it, it's yeah. not coming up for me there was somebody though like i know that rodarius williams was with the giants
0: yeah he was. With the and giants. i feel
2: like there was somebody else with the jets because i was thinking oh we got one on each new york team but i can't think of who it is if they're still on the roster or not so
1: I just Google. Well, I'm on the Jets roster, and there is no one from Oklahoma State on yeah. the Jets, so we yep, don't have to like them. Sure. I several Iowa State guys, K State. There are a lot of Big Twelve players on this team, but yeah, yeah.
0: including Charles Gardner.
1: But. None from Oklahoma State, so we don't care anymore. Let's talk (laughs) Big 12, let's talk Oklahoma State. The big news coming last Friday night, it was announced that we are getting not just Colorado, but three new teams joining the Big 12 in 2024. Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah. Chad Weiberg spoke at Cowboy Football Media Days on Saturday, and he said that two years ago when it was announced that Texas and OU were heading to the SEC, no one really knew what to think of the big 12, but the narrative has changed drastically in the last two years. How would you describe the current narrative of the big 12?
2: Well, it's kind of like what you were asking last week about if Colorado made that big of an impact on, on the big 12 and it kind of did, but in, in a bigger sense, like now we're seeing the fruition of that because the dominoes fell, I would say especially with the last probably decade, decade and a half of what Utah football has been able to do that, that strengthens and maybe solidifies the stability of the conference. Yeah. Obviously we're not talking about how any of these teams that we brought in can accumulate to account for what OU and Texas are. But that being said, the conference is looking really strong today because of what your market has done. And yeah, you just got to, um, we'll just see how it goes as far as the next couple of years, how other things are shaken out as far as realignment. I know Gundy had some things to say about that, but, and we may get to that later, but yeah, I mean, as far as the perception of the big 12 still nationally, uh, nobody considers them to be a legitimate playoff contender. Um, everybody's looking out to the sec big 10 and still even this year, the pac 12, and maybe even the ACC before they consider anybody in the Big 12. So because of that, somebody has to step up like TCU did last year. Um, but even that isn't enough to change the minds. You know, it's it's something that has to be year after year after year before they realize, oh, wow, you know what? Maybe TCU actually is better than Michigan, despite beating them straight up. So that's that's where we're at, I think.
0: Yeah, to Chad Weiberg's point, when you look at the narrative of the Big 12 just two years ago and where they are at right now, even more important, in my opinion, than the Big 12 is what it does for Oklahoma State. we were not bringing in a San Diego State, a Colorado State, one of these you know, North Dakota states to come into the conference. We're still going to be playing and facing legitimate contenders that are uh, going to give us a chance to uh, get that national recognition and actually make it to the playoffs. So as Justin talked about, it's so much more about, okay, what what can we put out on the field that we can actually prove going forward and less about, you know, know, where we're at right now or even what these teams that are coming in have done in the past. But one thing I just want to say real quick, I know a lot of credit has been given to Brett Yormark, as it should. I just want to give a little nod to my former mentor, Bob Bowlesby, as well, because a lot of people aren't talking about how major this grant of rights was. Okay, so like what's keeping like a a lot of these teams that are still in here together. The Big 12 Conference is actually the originator of the grant of rights. And it's ironclad. Uh, Just to give a real quick brief on what this is, for those of y'all who may not know, the grant of rights is a document that every single university agreed to and signed. And once you sign it, you're locked in. Right. It was a really, really smart thing for the Big 12 Conference to do. It was filed in Delaware. So if you've ever Started in LLC in the past. You know that Delaware is a very business-friendly state. Like 65% of Fortune 500 companies are incorporated in Delaware. So this means that if you try any litigation, you don't get to do it in your own state court. It obviously would be more favorable for Texas to do a litigation in Texas. But no, that's go to Delaware to do their thing. So it's backed by a case study from over 115 years ago. So you'd be hard-pressed to overturn it today. So the Big 12 themselves, Bob Bowlesby and company, they incorporated themselves as a business really, really smart for them to do. And the grant of rights says that if you leave our conference, whatever money you make from TV, we get to keep it all until the contract expires. And no one has ever challenged it. So the Big 12 are, as I mentioned, the originators. And they, they wrote it after Colorado, Nebraska, AM, and and Missouri left the conference. And then since then, no one has left. Uh, you know, people will say Texas and OU, but they waited until the TV deal actually expired. And then they announced that they weren't signing the next grant of rights. But the Big 12... They tried to adjust with Texas and OU. They said that they weren't going to do equal revenue sharing. Instead, it was going to be performance-based revenue sharing. And I'm still curious to know what the revenue sharing is going to be like with these new schools that are joining the conference. But, again, as we know, Texas, they paid the $100 million and they bounced. OU, they paid $100 million and they bounced. But everybody else is locked into this grant of rights. And that was really, really smart for us as a conference to do. And we're seeing now that it's paying dividends because we're not getting left behind like uh, a PAC-12 or an ACC.
2: I did hear that it was going to be equal share. Is it equal share? Okay. I mean,
0: I guess that's fair, right? Performance-based, whatever.
1: I will say Chad Weiberg did acknowledge Bowlesby in his press conference on Saturday. So Chad is aware that it started – with Bowlesby and Brett Yormark is just carrying the torch very, very well. I do want to note that I have been very vocal about my dislike of conference realignment and expansion, and I think it's bad for sports. That being said, I do like how we are maintaining the Arizona-Arizona State rivalry and the BYU-Utah rivalry. So with these new additions, you're not losing rivalries because they're staying together and that's one of the things that i really liked and that segues into what gundy said a little bit on saturday about rivalries and scheduling and he's very interested to see how these new, how the scheduling works for new 16 teams he said there needs to be you need to create rivalries we already have two but our arizona state arizona utah byu playing each other every single year is that guaranteed uh he also said you need to make it fair so that the same teams aren't playing each other all the time so that people can't be like, well, how do we know? Okay. State is the best. They only play the bottom tier teams on paper. They're not playing, you know, the top tier teams every year, whoever they turn out to be next season. And then he also said, you have to think about travel because you don't want UCF flying to Arizona week, three, then flying home for a home game, then flying to Utah week seven, then flying back, then flying out again week nine. So it's going to be interesting to see how the scheduling works next season with a 16-team conference. I think I know how I would approach it. How would you guys approach it?
2: I'll tell you. Well, I don't know exactly how I would approach it, but I will I will say this. Like, I don't want it to become anything like what the NFL currently does and I'm talking about for really all of college football. I know we've been t- kind of talking about this power too and everything, but that's really what I want to avoid. And especially the way that it's set up with their divisions, because if we're locked into something regionally and we're playing some of these teams two times a year, and um, we're trying to figure out who's going to be in the playoffs based off of that. I just feel like that would be so boring for college football. I want to be able to see OSU play a different team every single week uh, so, you know, as far as scheduling goes, uh, all that flying and stuff, I think that's probably just going to have to be, unfortunately, um, just one of the things that that comes with this conference realignment. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's a case where if you're playing somebody on the West coast, maybe you could stay the week. I, I mean, I honestly don't know how that stuff's all going to work out, but yeah. Um, that that'll be a job like somebody's probably going to get paid a lot of money to make sure that these schedules are, you know, top notch.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, because you have to think about television and television times. I didn't even want to start thinking about what these TV schedules are going to look like and what these uh, mm-hmm. game schedules are going to look like. But, you know, one thing that I do know is that you have to keep the student athlete in mind, right? When you're thinking about, you know, travel. Why, why
2: Why would you keep the student athlete in mind? We haven't been doing that up till now. I mean, yeah come on.
0: yeah no, you're absolutely right about that we definitely have not you know, if i have an exam or two exams in back-to-back weeks or in the same week when do i have time to study if i'm flying across the freaking country
1: on the plane eve yeah man,
0: i'm trying to sleep on the plane all right <laughs> i'm asleep Where are your a- and, and and there was one year when i worked in the nfl that we were the most traveled team in the entire nfl through like the first five weeks by far and that stuff really takes a toll on you um, as staff and as athletes, of course. So, yeah, I'm uh, hoping that whoever is behind all of this, the person that's planning all of this, actually has the athlete in mind. Because not the athlete, then what the heck are we even doing here?
1: I personally like the SEC's model, their current model. We will see what happens next year when they also expand of a East and a West, you play everyone in your division every year, and then you rotate a team in from the other division. I like Mm -hmm. that model. It keeps it simple. You have opponents, you have rivalries like Florida, Georgia, you have rivalries like Georgia, Tennessee, you have Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, LSU. Those are created by those, those divisions within the sec. However, if you look at the map of the big 12, ucf west virginia cincinnati are still outliers so they would naturally be in the east with looking at this map i would put iowa state kansas houston pick either us tcu or baylor and put them over there you know they're still flying to texas oklahoma kansas it's not convenient for Cincinnati, west virginia and ucf but there's no way around it based on where they're located
2: yeah, yeah, it's similar to what the Big 12 did back when we had 12 teams. Uh, we had North and South. Yep. So maybe that makes a little bit more sense for the Big 12 than East-West. I don't know. I have to dive into it a little bit more. But uh, I, I like that uh, where you do play the same teams every year and then rotate every other year. I think it is that you uh, play the other teams like half and yeah, half. Really- so by the time that you've been in college for four years, you would have played everybody in the conference.
0: Yeah, I wish wish the Big Ten would figure out how to do that because if y'all seen the Big Ten West, Big Ten.
2: That's the that's the downfall of it because the competition of one of these sides will outweigh the other side, and you end up having like Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all yeah. in the east playing yeah. against maybe wisconsin or iowa for the purdue last year for the big 10 Yeah,
0: last championship year the big, game? Like, the big 12 west division is purdue illinois iowa minnesota wisconsin nebraska and northwestern what a joke you know all the best teams are all in one division now of course you know it's kind of a luck of the draw like the way that the schedule is going to end up falling you just have to play out your schedule right if you get a really tough schedule if you get a cupcake schedule like a michigan you know it, it is what it is um but you know here hear it uh uh, in the Big 12 Conference, one thing that I actually love so much about our conference is that there's a lot of uh, evenly matched teams. You just don't know right. what's going to happen on any given Saturday, whereas you know, in the SEC maybe, you know, you you can kind of tell. You know, they're, they're, they, get, they tend to be pretty top-heavy, and then the bottom is pretty weak, and then the middle is just kind of, you know, one random team will kind of rise at any given year.
2: It's true, man. Like, even as – Recently, as last year, of course, we we saw what TCU ended up go, doing and going to the national championship. But Kansas. uh, you know, Oklahoma State was with with them until double overtime when they lost to TCU. And yeah, um, Houston, for example, they're coming into the conference, but I think that they have the all time uh, they have more one games than OSU does in that series. I think it's like ten to nine or something like that. So wow. it really evenly matched, like for the history across the big 12. And um, Hey, it does become one of those things where you might cannibalize your own conference because somebody will end up knocking you off whenever you maybe deserve to go into the playoff. But yeah, those are the, that's the tough part about college football, man. That's why we love it. That's why we love college football. Right.
0: I'm like, I'm like Meg, like there's a part of me that really just hates this. Like if you love college sports from a business standpoint, I get it. But like, you would love to see everything to kind of just stay regionalized You want to see the old rivalry stick together, go together to the new conferences. But this is just a day and age that we live in. And, you know, it becomes more and more like the wild, wild west every day. I think just today was announced. And and by today, I mean, like Wednesday, uh, August 9th, it was announced that second time transfers will only be granted a waiver for immediate eligibility for medical or safety reasons. So they're at least trying to hone in. They're at least trying to regulate it in some type of ways. But then you're going to see, you know, the playoffs is going to expand to 12 teams. And then, you know, it's probably going to stay that way for a couple of years. And then people are going to want more. Then it's going to expand to 16 teams. So the changes are nonstop. It's just going to keep on happening. Uh, At the very least, you want some of the purity of college sports to remain and that it doesn't become completely and totally like a business with labors and unions and all that.
1: Well, we will see in a couple months when the schedules are released and they could be released in March with all the chaos that is going to be required to figure it out. So college football schedulers, I, I,
2: I do have one more point real quick. So if we are, I think the the people in charge really are trying to model this off after the NFL, but I think what they're failing to consider is that the worst teams in the league, if you end up going Oh, and 16 or whatever the case is, you're going to get the number one draft pick yeah. that doesn't, that will not ever translate to college football. You're not going to be able to get the top five-star recruit just because you suck. So like, I don't know why we're trying, we're focused so much on making the NCAA like the NFL, let the NCAA just be college football and it can be a separate product. It's totally fine.
0: Yeah. And in fact, you know, the NFL is about as close as you get to socialism, right? Not only are you actually getting the best draft pick, you have a worse record but you're also getting a favorable schedule because you're paying you're playing the teams that also finish last in their divisions across the nfl right like whenever you're going across divisions so in the ncaa the thing is if you perform really well the rich just get richer you're then able to afford a better recruiting budget you're then able to get better you know better recruits and better facilities and all this stuff so it's just a, a gap that is widening and widening and who is to say that a few years from now, these true blue blood programs are going to look around and be like, why are we letting Maryland like profit off of our name? Or why wow. are we letting Iowa State profit off? Of our- yeah, <laughs> let's just branch off and create our own thing and we're, we're, we'll be fine. All right, we'll be better than everybody else. Now, with that being said, we'll see what uh, what ends up happening with you know, the Saudi Arabians that end up coming in college football. But that's a that's a whole other topic for another day.
1: We do not have time to get into your theories, Eve, but what I was going to say for Justin <laughs> made an excellent point, might I add, I do like that point, Justin, is Godspeed, college football schedulers, you are in my thoughts. So yeah. best of luck. Can't wait to see what you've come up with. Well, I do guys, not
0: envy you. I do not envy you.
1: That too. Do not envy you at all. But I'm willing to talk shop and brainstorm if you need someone to bounce ideas off of because I got I got some. So just like, hit me right. up. It's all right all the
0: campaign the campaign is still on m-e-g for c-f-p okay never
1: ending until i get there until yeah, i get we're there bring it
0: back. we're gonna bring it back during the season
1: <laughs> well right. the last couple of weeks we have done deep dives on the i guess it's the four new members but i guess they're the now the old new members because right. we have four newer members the current the four new members in 2023 and we figured It's time we do a deep dive on our own squad. We've talked about how they kind of relate and how we think that they match up with the Cincy, UCF, Houston, and BYU, but we're going to talk about them in their own right because guys, I am excited about this team. I will admit I was unsure about them in the offseason with the transfer portal exodus and what's going on, but I am pretty, pretty pumped about this team they yeah. are pumped to the biggest question going in is who will QB one be? Gandhi said in his press conference on Saturday that all quarterbacks are still sharing reps. He hopes to make a, pra- a decision by practice 12 to 14, which should be next week, I believe, if my quick math is right. He said the younger guys are improving. And if there are two guys deserving of playing time, they okay. could play multiple QBs. What do you think of that?
2: All right. So my initial reaction was, are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing right now? But then I thought about it a little bit more and I, I just I get it. Like, why why wouldn't you play multiple QBs to start the season, right? Like get those guys some reps. It's fine. We're playing central Arkansas, whatever. Um
1: Arizona but, State's not a wash, like a you No,
2: know. of course not. But we know Bowman is the starting quarterback, QB won from then on. So if they're sharing reps, that's great. I'm glad that Rangel is hanging in there and giving him some competition.
1: Yeah. In
2: the case that Bowman goes down, I'd love to be able to have confidence that he can step in and do his job. And um, I, I feel like that's like the most positive way you can spin it. But if we are being straight up, it's Bowman. It has to be Bowman, right? I don't
0: know.
1: Not what. I just-
0: no. yeah I mean, look, I'm at the point right now where I just don't know. I'm probably seventy percent sure that it's boma, but at thirty percent you know I mean you know there, there there's noise about what Rangel is doing out there in practice, apparently he's made drastic improvements and he's looking good out there uh I know Zane Flores It's it, probably the future, you know, probably the future Give him a couple of years to develop, but you 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 never know, and I'm actually not opposed to the competition i i know in the beginning i was i was just like come on like we got to go in and announce somebody so that we can rally around that individual but the way that things shaped out last year and the way that everybody got hurt i'm like look the more reps that you can give to a second and to a third guy the better i am with it because at least they won't be coming in as cold should somebody get hurt knock on wood let's hope that doesn't happen but should somebody get hurt during the season
1: in theory if our running game is as strong as gundy hopes it will be Quarterback matters less, obviously still important, but if you're a very big threat in the run game, that takes pressure off a QB. Yes.
2: Yeah. But are you going to want to switch your quarterbacks in and out all the time?
0: I mean, I don't think that really matters. Right. I think to Meg's point, like if, if your run game is that strong, um, it's, I guess you, you become a lot more comfortable with whoever is out there and you don't have to worry so much about switching them out.
1: I like the idea of a tight competition because it's going to keep, let's say it is Bowman. We'll go with Bowman QB one. It's going to keep him on his toes and keep him working hard and not get complacent in a game. Cause if you know that the QB two could go in at any second and it's not, you know, if Bryce young is playing or Spencer Sanders, you know, Spencer Sanders was playing first five games of last year. He knew he could make a mistake and he was staying in the game. Whereas if it's a tight competition and Bowman makes a mistake or two, He's
0: does he stay to in the it.
1: game? Or does Rangel come in? That's so true. I like having that sort of you gotta stay perfect and make minimal mistakes so that you can continue to play. On the flip side, I don't see the point in switching quarterbacks all the time because mm-hmm. I think it can also mess with their confidence.
0: And that's, what, that, that's where I was going to push back, Meg. I think the biggest thing in situations like this is you don't want to continue flip-flopping quarterbacks. Um, the biggest reason why is I think oftentimes as fans, especially, um, you know, the, the further you are removed from the program, and I'm guilty of this as well, where I'll be like, why not just switch this guy for this guy? But as a coach, especially Coach Gundy being there, one thing that he always has to be cognizant of is managing people's emotions, their confidence, and everything else that goes on in the brain in the heart as you're as you're dealing with real human beings and not just uh you know categorical transactions right so that's the biggest thing there. so whoever wins it, like just you know at, at least give him a little bit of a rope um <clears throat> at least before we start to really get going in conference play.
2: yeah, I think where this makes more sense is the running back position. Where you can afford to, you know, those guys are more willing to kind of share the load. They're not necessarily the vocal leader in the huddle or whatever the case is, uh, relying on the same consistency every down or whatever. So that's where I feel like we should be, you know, hey, let's see, let's see how Ollie does this drive. Let's see how Nixon can come in and mix it up. And we'll see how Collins can step in, like how we can play complimentary football in that aspect.
0: And let the person that has the hot hand stay in the game because we've definitely messed that up in the past where somebody will come in and will ball out. And the next thing you know, it's like we haven't seen him in three series. What's going on over there? So, yeah, I'm not and mad then, at that. At the
2: then it'll be a case where it's like, all right, they're they're the workhorse. They're tired. And then, boom, you got to fumble. And then we don't see him for the rest of the season. It's like, come on, man, one fumble. Like, bro, we're talking about Coach Glass here. We don't get tired. <laughs>
1: Ali Gordon had a fumble Mm. last year against Baylor and then he played every game because he said coach Waz was like, shake it off. Yeah. Need you back out there. So I think that that also is the mental thing and you can beat yourself up over, I don't want to say a simple mistake, but you can beat yourself up over a mistake and you just got to.
2: Yeah. I don't remember whenever that happened. Was it maybe Baylor uh, justice Hill against Baylor when he fumbled and I feel like we didn't, maybe didn't see him for a while. And it's like, come on, man, like justice Hills kind of, Clearly, the number one running back. I don't remember if maybe I'm misremembering that, but that's where my mind was was at. Yeah.
0: No, it's going to be really interesting. I don't know much about Elijah Collins, uh, who's coming in. Where did he transfer from? Was it Michigan? State? Michigan State.
1: Right, so he was behind Kenneth Walker. And-
0: yeah, yeah. It was going to be tough for him to play over there, but I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, he's put on some pretty dis some pretty decent numbers while he was over there in the Big Ten Conference. So. Hopefully he can bring some of that production down here to the Big 12.
1: Yeah, Elijah Collins, 1,500 yards, a little over 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns in career at Michigan State. He has four career 100 rush yard games. When I was looking up and I was doing some research for this, guys, I was looking up Jaden Nixon, obviously, coming back this season. He had 755 all-purpose yards last season, four total touchdowns. Almost half of those yards were coming on kick returns. He had that 98-yard kick return versus Baylor, so obviously yeah. that was a big chunk of those 385. But in kickoff return yardage, he ranked among the top 50 players in FBS.
0: Nice. Hey, See, that's, that's that's a pretty large sample size. I don't know what to make of that, to be honest with you. I'm like, top 50? I'm like, all right, like. If it was like top 20 I'd be like oh wow but I don't know it just But seems- it's out
2: of it's out of you know 130 teams and well, then you've yeah. also got, Not you've all got two players per team back there that are returning kicks so you've probably I don't know what Presley's numbers look like but if both of those guys are in the top 50 then that's that's looking good
1: My point I guess is don't sleep on Jaden Nixon yeah. He can be a threat in the run game and on special teams. And I'm not talking in every down back. Maybe he comes in on second on third or third down. And Ollie uh, Gordon,
2: I'm, I'm all right with y'all sleeping on him. It's cool. also like,
1: well, fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> don't sleep on, on Jaden Nixon. Gordon also said at media day is that a big goal for the running back group is five yards per carry. What hmm. do you guys make of that's That's a lofty goal.
0: That's big time. Yeah. That's a first down every two plays, you know, every every two carries. So, you know, that's reminiscent of the Kendall Daniel days, sorry, Kendall Daniel. the Kendall Hunter days. Yeah. He was averaging over five yards per carry, except he was the feature back. So I'd love to see that kind of production from like a feature back. If it is Ollie Gordon, uh, I would love that. Um, I mean, there's much to be seen even from our offensive line, right? That has a huge, that's a huge contributing factor to yards per carry. But if we can get there, I mean, that's one of the best things that you can ask for right there for our team.
2: Right, as opposed to 2.3 or whatever it was last year that was abysmal. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly right, Eve. It's not necessarily about the running backs. While it should be their goal, like that should be the offensive linemen's goal as well because they're the ones that are making that happen.
1: I did ask, so Jaden Nixon is learning to cook. He lives on his own for the first time. Let in him cook. Time. He's learning to cook, yeah, on and off the yeah, field. Him. And I asked him on Saturday, I said, what would you make your offensive line if they have a great blocking game and you have a great rushing game? Because you know how NFL quarterbacks or running backs will take their O-line out. I said, well, what would you cook for them? Assuming you're not going to take seven guys to a steak dinner somewhere at the Ranchers Club. Ranchers he, Club. <laughs> he didn't say that he would make them steak. He's like, I don't know how to make steak, but I would learn. I would cook it five times for yeah. them to make sure I got it right. Right. So, offensive line play well, and maybe you will get that steak dinner from Jaden Nixon.
0: <laughs> you don't know how to make steak? What, what what's wrong with you, my guy? Look, at yeah, least
2: you need to YouTube that, man. Yeah, yeah. you got to go on
0: YouTube. You yeah. got to go on YouTube and and figure it, out. figure it out. If you can get some steak, especially even here's something easy. All right, I think every college athlete needs to know how to make a stir fry at least, right? A oh, stir fry. Course yeah especially with like some grilled chicken in there that's really all you need you get your caloric intake you're getting uh your carbs you're getting your protein and you're getting your healthy fats throwing some avocados in there and some veggies like you'll be you'll be just fine so at least learn how to make a stir fry with grilled chicken
1: okay st- sidebar to cooking but related to football because we also talked to brennan presley about cooking because he's also a self-taught chef and he, makes, he takes chicken and r- makes chicken and rice and he said his specialty though was like a chicken quesadilla, but he puts—I forget if it was regular sugar or brown sugar—in his rice. Have you guys ever heard of that?
2: Oh, of course, yeah, mm, yeah, gone. I've heard of that. I, um, I of that. yeah, putting sugar it's in your rice. Yeah, that's a
0: that's a hood delicacy.
1: <laughs> I've never heard of that.
0: I think it's a it's it's something that's very common in the black community. I don't know if it's just just something that we all grew up with, but yeah, yeah, heard of that my entire life. Uh, sidebar: Justin is actually the one. That taught me how to perfectly grill uh or, or oven grilled chicken make that with some rice as well whenever we were roommates so everything that I know about cooking I learned it from this guy right here what's, yeah
2: but shout out bread? shout out to my dad on that one so um yeah, it was just a basic thing that you could probably take 10 15 minutes to prep stick it in the oven for I don't remember an hour and a half or something like that and whenever it comes out, man just a whole, a whole juice chicken and is cooking. so good. Chicken breast. Yeah, I'm always I'm always going with like chicken breast. Um, lean. Keep it lean. It's on a it's on a bed of rice and it's got a, a mix of uh, cream of celery, cream of chicken. Uh, so it's a nice, nice way to like make sure that that chicken's nice and marinated. The rice also is able to soak up some of that flavor. So
0: would have squirt a yeah. hot sauce right over the top of the chicken. Mm-hmm. Just, to make it just right. Yeah, that's what we used to do down in the back in the James Creek days.
1: Interesting, interesting. Well, back we're to good. football.
0: <laughs> we can do well, it all. Real quick, So tying it in back to football, it was so interesting. Whenever I got to Oklahoma State, I was 165 pounds and I needed to put on weight. And, you know, this was before college programs had nutritionists and all these, you know, just great staffs that they do We not. were
2: in the wrong era.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we were definitely in the wrong era. And Especially we had the wrong uniforms. Because right. all they told me was like, yo, go to Chipotle every single day. You get the double rice. You go ahead. You get the double meat, and like eat eat like two burritos every single night. Like just just keep going to Chipotle and keep eating them burritos, and that's what I did. I mean, you know, it, it helped out with the training regimen, of course. But I, you know, end up getting like eighteen pounds in three months, which, uh, which worked out.
2: Man, Literally. we missed out. We missed out on like training table. We missed out on these vouchers. People got to go to like. Chipotle, yeah, right Texas yeah. Roadhouse, man, like they were just living it up, and the walk-ons were over here making this cheap chicken and rice, <laughs> you know, just slaving over it, you know, in the kitchen. You, gotta, you,
0: you had to know who to talk to, man. Some people didn't even appreciate the vouchers. You just gotta, you know, you just had to hustle out of them. And shout out to Rashedi Jones. Rashedi Jones always used to hook people <laughs> up with his, you know, with his different meals and with his different vouchers, man. He uh he looked out for the guys.
1: But, Eve you're talking about, Chipotle and double chicken, double rice. That's literally what. Kendall Daniels did this off-season to put on weight. He went to Chipotle, asked him his order. He said, dirty rice with like the double steak, sour cream, cheese, guac, does not care that it's extra. So they're still doing that. The difference is that they have Rob glass to help put on weight, but also maintain speed, which is a big factor when you're putting on weight.
2: The difference is they got that NIL money to pay for (laughs) guac. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. Facts, because I will say
0: at one point I was starting to look sloppy out there. Like it was yeah, it was it was not good. I remember, you know, every single cornerback we had to be, I think it was like nine percent body fat uh, where the safeties could be at 12 percent body fat. And there was one year where I came in, I was like 15 percent body fat, bro. I was like, yeah, I just I just got carried away with the with the sour cream. Yeah, it, it got pretty bad there for a while. But, you know, we had to tone it. We had to bring it back in. Had to hone it in.
1: We're, we're back on track, and we're back on track in this podcast as well. Talk a little bit about the offensive line and their impact on the running game. Cole Birmingham said – Speaking of
0: sloppy. Just speaking of
1: sloppy. It, so, on Saturday, Cole Birmingham said that this is like the first time they've been – the O-line has been this deep since he's been in Stillwater. And he said with confidence that Oklahoma State will have the best offensive line in the Big 12. How encouraging is that to hear?
2: I mean, it sounds good, but I'm going to have to see it to believe it. The best O line in the Big Twelve. All
0: right, Man, prove,
2: prove o- me prove me wrong. Honestly, like I, I would love to be proven wrong, but I just uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to need to see some evidence of that. I and I I respect the fact that we have so many uh, guys that have experience. But just because you have experience doesn't mean you're automatically better, right? You guys have been pretty bad. The injuries have been really bad. And you got to obviously elevate your game and then stay healthy. So, yeah, yeah, please, please do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, what's it been like seven years since we could really stand on our O-line and be like, yo, that is a great unit right there. That's probably been the problem year in and year out that we just have. Yeah, that's the area, the unit that we just have the biggest problem trying to uh, figure out and get consistent um, on our offense. Um, you know, you talk about the biggest, you, the, the the best O line in the Big Twelve Conference. Look at those guys at that, you know, that other university in, in in Oklahoma, and they got they got some guys that are projected to go in the first round in the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, just because their individual talents doesn't mean, of course, that they can play well as a unit. So, hopefully, we get that unity going at the <laughs> Oklahoma State O line, and you know, we can put some things together.
1: Time will tell. In twenty-three days, we'll get to see them out in action.
0: Well, that doesn't—that that game's not going to count.
1: Does, <laughs> there, still I'm, be just on kidding. I'm just That's kidding. Exciting, hey. Yeah. hey, it'll
0: count. I'm I'm still so, going to be fired up. I'm still going to be wearing orange. I'm still going to be ripping my shirt off whenever we score. We make a big play. We're going to be all right.
1: If our running backs put up like four hundred yards, then it's going to count.
0: Oh. oh yeah. 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 If our running backs put up four hundred yards, I don't care wh- which team it's against. I'm, I don't know. I'm doing something crazy.
1: No pressure, guys. Just ball out. (laughs) No
0: pressure, just ball out.
1: On the other side of the ball, moving to defense, starting with the linebackers, the biggest name at linebacker is Colin Oliver. He said in a piece on OSU Max, he's not really a linebacker. He's an all-around backer playing all over the field. He loves Coach Nardo and what he brings to the team, both on and off the field. What's interesting, though, we all know that Colin Oliver had a breakout freshman season in 2021 with 10 and a half sacks and 15 and a half tackles for a loss. He was the Big 12 defensive freshman of the year. Last season, his productivity dropped by 50 percent, had five sacks and seven tackles for a loss. How do you think switching from D.E. to linebacker can get him back to 2021 form?
0: No, I mean, it's it's really interesting because he was used so differently, uh, you know, in the two years that we've seen him, um, you know, some could say, OK, was he figured out like did people just watch film on him or were able to just stop him better? That's not the case. He was just used so much differently last year than he was under Jim Knowles right? his first year. So um, I'm really, really curious to see how they're going to utilize him in this defense with Brian Nardo. The fact that he speaks so highly of Nardo and that he likes him so much lets me know that they're planning on utilizing him a lot more like they did his freshman year. Uh, But I think it was easy after his freshman year to just get caught up in his athleticism and seeing how great of a football player overall he was and then asking him to do more when the thing that he does best is get after the quarterback. So uh, we'll see. And, you know, not for nothing, I think it's worth mentioning that there are a lot of things that aren't going to show up on the stat sheet that he actually did a really great job of, of um, when it comes to especially just uh, interrupting a play and preventing uh, the ball to go in one direction that the quarterback was looking at and making him go to a second, third, fourth option. But uh, we need more playmaking um, from him, and I think that he's up to that task.
2: Yeah, I think for me the biggest thing is just the inconsistency between the defensive coordinators and not even necessarily like how he was used, but the fact that it seemed like everybody loved Jim Knowles. I didn't hear as much of that with Derek Mason, Yeah, and it kind of seemed like he was just here as a rental, like he wasn't fully bought into Oklahoma State. Right. It's hard to say that from the outside looking in, but now we're looking at it from the other side and seeing Nardo come in. He's putting forth this effort, and everybody's buying in with him. And that leads me to believe that Colin Oliver is just going to be able to, you know, bounce right back up, uh, straight up. So um, I really think that it it does matter with Gundy's uh, uh, continuity and how he has the coaching staff, um, but more importantly that, you know, guys like Nardo were coming in. It seems like he really cares about his players. He wants the best for them. And then the scheme kind of plays as, as a secondary factor, right? Like Dude. to be able to set them up for success. And I mean, if, it's, if, it, if your coach doesn't give off that kind of vibe, your game will suffer. Like you'll suffer in practice. You'll suffer in the games. Like you're just not enjoying yourself. You're not having fun playing football. And whenever that happens – you're not going to be as good as you can be. So I think we're going to see a big bounce back year from him.
0: Yeah, I think, honestly, he's going to be one of those players that, like, you can't really label him a defensive end. You can't label him a linebacker either. Uh, probably edge is the best way to just categorize him. Like, he's, he's an edge, and he's going to be asked to do a lot of things from that edge position. So um, that's probably the piece of the defense that – I'm the most excited about. We talked about, you know, Ladarius Webb being listed as hybrid. I kind of think that Colin Oliver is going to be one of those quote-unquote hybrid type of players on this defense as well.
2: Plus, I will say this, uh, kind of going back to Nardo, I think maybe we will actually start to see the transfer portal stuff slow down because people are going to be in love with Nardo so much that they're going to want to stay, whereas we did tend to lose a lot of guys from last year with with Derek Mason and even though he wasn't coming back It was kind of like alright something There's got to be something better out there for me I think we might actually see You know the brakes pumped a little bit With the transfer portal at least for Oklahoma State so I would love to see that Even and though it would be out. less content for us To talk about it's totally fine
0: And shout out to Derek Mason who's going to be Joining the SEC Network right, right. This fall
1: Here's what I found interesting about this Nardo talk and the defense. And, you know, we had one of the top defenses in 2021, one of the not top defenses in 2022. Although on Saturday, Xavier Benson, who was one of two returning defensive players to start every game last season, the other is DB Corey Black. Benson said that the biggest change defensively is guys understanding they can end up at any spot and they understand the whole concept not just their specific position. Yeah. If you are a DB, why is that important?
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to know where everybody is, right? Like whenever I think about that statement, last year, the weakest link of our defense was probably our linebacking core, and it got weaker whenever Mason Cobb left you know, Mason Cobb was arguably the best player on our, our, well, you know, Kendall, Kendall Daniels, Mason Cobb, one or two best players on our defense and he's gone. So there's a void that is left to fill whenever you can understand what everybody on the team, or at least on your side of the ball is doing. What it does is it actually creates a lot more freedom. Um, and by freedom, I'm saying it, it means, okay, I know my responsibility and I know exactly what they're doing, and that allows me to operate freely within the the restrictions, quote unquote, restrictions or boundaries that are allowed for me. So if everybody trusts that I know exactly what I'm doing, I can disguise before the snap. I can roll and and I can get in and out of different uh, schemes in between snaps um, a lot easier, right? So I mean, it, it's just whenever you can trust the man next to you, the man on the other side of the field. It really creates a sense of freedom um, that leads to organized chaos as a defensive unit.
2: Spot on, man. I feel like yeah. that's pretty underrated to have trust chemistry. There's a lot of really talented, talented players out there. And then they're just put in a spot where they're expected to kind of do everything on their own and no support where, yeah, if you get that, you know, you know, your brother over there has got your back just in case um, being able to yeah. play as a unit is literally like that's why football is the ultimate team sport. And I think that it really comes into play more for defense because you can kind of get away with stuff whenever you got the ball in your hand as an offensive player, making guys miss and whatnot. So,
0: yeah, in 2011, whenever we led the NCAA in turnovers and we were four turnovers away from actually having the NCAA record, I remember On any given Saturday, you had Markel Martin at the safety position, communicating to Jamie Blatnick at the defensive end position, who's communicating to James Thomas in the linebacker star position. And everybody was in unison and everybody knew exactly what was going on at all times. And it's actually pretty amazing to think about how much quote unquote luck can be created just by simply understanding the assignment and knowing exactly why. Right. Why a play is being called. Why a blitz is coming from a certain side of the field and not the other side of the field. And that just leads to to beautiful, beautiful chaos. It's not something that happens by accident, but it truly has to be something that's intentional and on purpose by all three levels of the defense.
1: Before we wrap this episode up, guys, who are you most excited to watch this season or who do you think the X factor will be?
2: Well, for me, Meg, I actually did watch you and Diana Mate on OSU Max this last Saturday. So thank you for that, for entertaining me for a couple of hours there. <laughs> uh,
1: but because of
2: that, the interviews led me to, um, you know, hear some of these guys for the first time. And that actually like plays a big part in how I perceive them moving forward, you know, so. uh what I really love and who I'm, you know, obviously I'm cheering for all these guys, right? You're, you're at Oklahoma state. You want to be here. I love you. But then whenever you interview and you're respectful and you have a big smile on your face and you're excited to be here and I can see that, then I'm going to cheer for you even more. And a lot of guys were like that, uh, on the, on Saturday, whereas in the past, I'm not going to name names, but man, I would get, I would just get so tired and bored from listening to some of these guys interview. I feel like there's an energy around this program that we haven't seen in a long time. And that makes me really excited. So I just want to see that. I just wanted to give that a shout out. And because of that, Jaden Nixon, you are the guy that I'm going to be watching for. Hopefully you kind of turn into the X factor. If it's uh, on, uh, you know, kind of as a featured uh, or a running back where you're coming in um, as a supporting role and you're able to rip off, some long runs with your speed or whether it's you returning kicks uh, you know, I hope that you're able to just blow games wide open with that speed and with the talent, because man, after hearing you like that's, you deserve it. Like you deserve the world. So I hope you go out and get it this year.
0: Yeah, no, I think that Megan and Dion did such a great job of actually uh, creating a welcoming environment and allowing the players to feel comfortable and kind of showcase their personalities. Uh, so, yeah, props to you, Meg, props to Dion as well for the great job that y'all did on that on those OSU Max interviews. Uh, yeah. Hair flips all around. Hair flips all around. Uh, now, you know, I, I, I'm a defensive guy. I love, you know, watching defensive players and, and looking at defensive film. But in the Big 12 conference, man, offense is going to matter. And especially with, uh, you know, the, the great exodus that we had this past season. I'm just looking forward to seeing Brandon Presley we got a guy that's returning, a guy that really, really cares about the program. A guy had the opportunity to leave Oklahoma State, but he said, no, this is where I want to be. Uh, homegrown, loved OSU my entire life. And Belitnikov Award finalist right he, or at least he's on the watch list uh, going gotcha. into the season. So uh, Brandon Presley is the guy, man. I, I, I love just seeing the football in his hands. I still don't think that we've even seen close to his potential. And what he can do for our offense, how creative we can truly be whenever we get the ball in his hands, um, even out of the backfield, right, in reverses and deep, shallow, short, all of it in the return game. That's just, you know, that's my guy right there. And and uh, a guy who's also really, really easy to root for um, just from, you know, whenever you gets to know him a little bit. So, yeah, Brandon Presley, that's my guy.
1: I like I like both those guys. I also I'm, I said it a couple of weeks ago. I'm excited to see Jaden Bray back out there. I think between him and Blaine Green, both coming back from injury, they became very close last season because they were both sidelined together. With Brendan Presley, DeJuan Stribling, there's a good – we have some good groups, good position groups on this team when you really take a step back and look at it. Jaden Nixon is probably – one of, if not my favorite guy on the roster. He's the best. <laughs> He's such a fun personality. And I I want all of them to have success, but I'm like, Jaden, like I really want you to have success because you're just oh, so wholesome. That being said, I said it on Saturday. I'm saying it now. I'm most excited for our offensive line. Talk to Preston Wilson at Big Tall Media Days. Talk to Cole Birmingham this past weekend. They are the most confident I've ever seen a bunch of offensive linemen. Love it. They feel like they have a lot to prove. They love the new scheme. They're super excited about an increase on the run game, which obviously puts a lot more pressure on them. I'm excited to see them in full strength for the first time in years. And there are some beastly defensive lines joining the Big 12. We've talked about them the last two weeks. So to see our O-line go up against some of those D-lines is going to be a really good battle in the trenches.
0: It all starts up front. Yeah, that's probably the unit that I'm the second most excited um, about seeing, definitely, is the offensive line.
1: Wow. 23 days, guys. 23, 23
0: days. days. Let's go. I can't Woo! wait.
1: a And then back to school. Well, I mean, people are going back to school. But when I was in high school and grade school, we went back to school after Labor Day. So college football kickoff also meant start of school. So not in Oklahoma. They start like now. But – uh, you,
0: got, you got to get warmed up before football season kicks off. That's how I look at it. We're not we're not in school for academics. We ain't here yeah. to to play to play school. We are here to play Dad, football.
2: I hope you knew teams that are coming in at the Big Twelve conference didn't come here for school.
0: <laughs> Meg well, at us, she's like Did she's you? from the Northeast. The the academic elite up there. She's like <laughs> you, you Big Twelveers.
2: Yes, that's so good. That is I'm so good. <laughs>
1: I am not academically. I'm as a good student, but let's not get it twisted. I was talking about earlier how terrible I was at math with my mom, but neither here nor there. This is not Meg Academic Academia Podcast. This is Believe in OK State. We want to thank you all for listening to another episode presented by Bet Online. Of course, like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, do all the things, and of course, go pokes.
2: Go pokes. Go pokes. Go pokes.